So as a woman who works in the industry, it was fascinating to take a look at what was happening to everybody else and then think about what was happening to me. Because what we found is that my experience is really typical. This is Brian Paris with Sounds of Berkeley. In partnership with the nonprofit Women in Music, Berkeley recently released a report titled Women in the U.S. Music Industry, Opportunities and Obstacles, a study that is the first of its kind in the nation. The survey asks questions about the challenges women face, their job satisfaction in all facets of the industry, and the actions they recommend to improve inclusion in their workplaces. To learn more, Katie Gibson sat down with the project's leader, Aaron Barra, an associate professor of songwriting, and Becky Pryor, Associate Director of Institutional Research and the study's primary researcher. Here's Katie with more. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I am curious about sort of what prompted you to do this report. Why do it? Why now? Well, funnily enough, or oddly enough, this actually started a few years ago. So even though it's presenting itself in front of us today, this has been a really long journey to get here. Mm -hmm. So I had seen... um, a comparative piece of research from Women in Music Canada that came out in 2015. So it'll be four years old sometime this year. And having read the document, I was kind of shocked at what I saw Um, and just also really inspired by the fact that somebody had gone out of their way to really find this information. So I decided that why don't we just do it for the entire United States? Um, Why not? That's not ambitious know, at all. Like, whatever. I can do that, right? I, I have to say, I think that one of the things that's most interesting to me as a researcher is we we know that women are underrepresented throughout the music industry. Mm-hmm. Annenberg has done some great research that shows us really where women are missing in popular music. Right. Um, but we don't really know very much about the experience of women who are working in the music industry. And so this was a really unique opportunity to hear their voices. Yeah. And to hear, I think, both quantitative and qualitative feedback Mm -hmm. from your respondents, right? Because there are these numbers about how many women have experienced gender bias or harassment or other challenges. And then you have all this anecdotal information about what it's really like. Their lives. So it's career-focused information, but then also information about their lives, which is the other side of the story that doesn't get told in a lot of data sets where it's about Mm -hmm. how many women have done this or done this. It's like, well, how do they feel about that? What do they think about that? Well, let's talk about the content of the report itself. Certainly there's a lot to dive into. So I think I'll let you guys sort of drive that because there's so much to tackle. But what did you find? What is interesting? Where do you even begin? <laughs> well, I think some of the more overarching places to begin is that we we confirmed a lot of things that you would think would be the case, right? Like mm-hmm. generally th- a three, more than three out of four women have experienced gender bias in in their employment and in the industry. So I think on that level, it's, you know, we're, we're saying this is not just an anecdotal thought. This is this is a real a real thing. And we can, you know, point back to a statistic that says that that is true and that there are a lot of struggles happening between workplace, work life balance, um, deciding on what's going to happen with their with their family lives, how they felt about where they were in their careers, negative and positive. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think perhaps the most interesting or surprising thing that people will find when they read the report is that despite all of this 
all of these things that we sort of hold to be true just by look, taking a look around and culturally, you know, using our eyes to make assumptions of what is or isn't true for women in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found that the overwhelming majority of them are also really satisfied with their careers and they they like their jobs and they feel comfortable in their workplace. You know, and I think that's one side of the story that doesn't often get told because it's not uh, it doesn't make for the best headline. <laughs> But, you yeah. know, we found that to be true. And it's again, it's like we're it's we're asking them about their lives. For me, that was one of the biggest takeaways is that, yes, this is happening. And we found out some really interesting details about the struggles that women are experiencing, mm-hmm. but that they also love working in this industry. They love their jobs and they're extremely committed to them. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it showed, um, you know, even even with these very real challenges that that so many women in the industry are facing, that there was this remarkable love for the work that women were doing and and a real commitment to it. You know, it's I think we see 72 percent of women are either satisfied or extremely satisfied with their jobs versus 51 percent of all U.S. employees. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, really. It's, it's almost three quarters of employees in women employees. Really remarkable. In yeah. Yeah. We've touched on the fact that most women experience gender bias in the industry. And in the time of Me Too and other movements to give women a voice or amplify women's voices, people are thinking about that. So I'm curious to hear what you found about gender bias and harassment and other obstacles to women advancing in this industry. Well, they told us a lot about what was and wasn't working for them in their workplaces, which mm-hmm. I think was some really compelling information. Overwhelmingly, people thought that compensation practices were negatively affecting them. You know, however, that manifests itself in everybody's workplace is probably a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but they felt that this was preventing them from being where they where they should have been in their careers. And that was also reflected in their assessment of where they were. So... One in two women feel like they should be farther ahead in their careers, which is half of us aren't doing as well as we should be doing, I think. I I thought what was really remarkable about that was that it was it was really true of women across the board. Yeah. Even women who were in executive positions, Mm -hmm. over 40 percent of them felt that they should be further ahead in their careers. Right. I remember reading that and thinking, well, people in entry level positions maybe are likely to be younger, but also want to get further ahead. That makes sense to me. But even women sort of toward the top think Mm -hmm. like I should be farther ahead. I should have achieved more. I should I should be doing more or have climbed farther by now or making more money. I mean, we don't explicitly say that, but I think that that's somewhat baked into that question. It's tied. Are you where you should be? Do you feel you are where you should be in your career? At least I know I took that into account when I was answering that question. Did you? Interesting. I think one of the things that was most interesting to me on the careers was the career types and the places um, or the different occupations that people held and what their different experiences were. We found that people who are self-employed freelancers tended to have a harder time than everybody else. You know, 84 percent of them had been treated differently because of their gender, which was at a at a much higher rate than other professions. Or this was the highest. Let's let's say that it was the highest. Um, and that 68 percent of them felt that gender had affected their employment as well as a freelance employee. Yeah. yeah versus, yeah. you know, on the other end of the spectrum, people who were working in administration or business had experienced this at a far 
far lower percentage than women who are basically working for themselves. Yeah. I think also interesting about those people who were self-employed was um, they were also the people who felt least comfortable in their workplace Mm -hmm. and least supported in their workplace. I suppose some of that makes sense, right? You're working for yourself. You don't have maybe the support of colleagues in the same way or you have to work harder to find it. Well, they're also making the least amount of money Mm. on top of that. (laughs) So, you know, they're they're experiencing the most gender bias. Um, They're making the least amount of money. They feel the least supported. They feel the least comfortable. Right. And they're hustling the most for it. Yeah. 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 But, you know, again pretty satisfied with their jobs. Just so interesting, right? Despite all of this stuff. That's kind of amazing when you think about it. Yeah. And also like what, how can we do better? Yeah. Especially for people who are working for themselves and uh, performers and songwriters. We also found some really interesting information about them feeling the least supported and comfortable in terms of people who work for themselves, but also their job type or their their occupation, right? Mm -hmm. So they typically are freelance people who work for themselves, um, and that songwriters and performers were also having a really tough time inside of that one particular category. But on top of all of the, you know, the trials and tribulations of the freelancer or the writer, the person that works for themselves, we found that women of color are experiencing even more obstacles that they are, have a higher propensity to feel like they should be further along. They feel less satisfied um, than white women. There's more of them at entry-level positions. And about one in two of them is making under $40,000 a year, whereas white women are at 41% of us are making less than 40000 So they're making less, they're less satisfied, they feel they should be further along. And, you know, it's like, again, when we talked in the beginning, how we kind of view these things to be true in some capacity, like here's the proof is in the pudding in this instance. And then the next piece is what to do about it. And you asked your survey respondents, what should we do about it? What are solutions here? What are things that have helped you in your career? And so I'd love to hear about some of those takeaways. So I I think that the, the power of mentoring really came through mm-hmm. um, in the responses. So 61% of women said they had mentors, and those women were more likely to be satisfied with their jobs. They were more likely to feel they were where they should be in their careers. It had a positive effect on income. Women who had been mentored, over 90% of them felt it had had a positive effect on their career. Wow. So it's it's really something that that women feel is valuable to them professionally. And, mm-hmm. you know, based on what we heard in the the other parts of the survey, that is really borne out. And that's a huge number, over 90%, to have something affect something like that positively across the board is quite incredible. So I actually, in doing this research, I actually came across some other research that was looking at diversity and inclusion practices mm-hmm. and trying to understand what works and what doesn't work. Right. And one of the things that they said really does work for diversity and inclusion is mentoring because the mentors themselves, when they are mentoring people who are different from them, mm-hmm. will then will then really um, work to boost those people's career. And so one way, particularly in organizations, that you can increase diversity is through these mentor matching programs. Well, there were a couple of other practices, I think, that were also borne out as being really effective. 
this is one of the open-ended questions is what did women think would make the industry a more equitable place or what could what could be done about you know these issues that we're facing and mm-hmm. a lot of them said that they thought you know intentional diversity through either equal opportunity or advocacy trainings in the workplace that was brought up quite a bit as well just to try to do it on purpose i guess for lack of a better word there hiring female leadership right that was a big one i've known mm-hmm. i've known this to be true in my own career as well you know if you see it you can believe it that was definitely something we heard in the comments as well was that um that it's important that in hiring and supporting women, we're hiring and supporting all women. You know, that we're yes. we're making sure that that that's inclusive of women of color, um, women with disabilities, women who are part of the LGBTQ community, that mm-hmm. it really needs to encompass everyone. Right. They also talked a lot about networking. There wasn't a lot of overwhelming feelings about workplace practices that were positive, but one of the things that did sort of float to the surface was networking opportunities. Um, and, I mean, I've seen this in action myself as a, a member of Women in Music and how powerful that can be just being part of a community and being able to access other women. You know, I've seen Universal Music Group has been doing this in partnership with Women in Music as well, where they have groups internal to every single Universal chapter around the United States, and I'm, I'm assuming the world also, but they they purposely create networking opportunities for these people to meet each other. And, you know, apparently that's something that women find to be a valuable workplace practice. Right. So mentorship, networking, and then I think the third piece is internships, right? Mm-hmm. So all of these practices that give women access to other women in the industry. Women or men. Yeah. So that was the interesting piece is that um, with mentorships, mm-hmm. it, it didn't seem to make much difference in terms of outcomes if the mentor had been a man or a woman. There were more women that had men as mentors that we heard from. But to me, that just makes a lot of sense because right. sure. the, the industry is full of men, you know, and mm-hmm. I've and they're in power positions as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking towards somebody who's a tier above you or two, three tiers above you, um, the likelihood that it's a man is pretty high. Right. And I've I've had many male mentors myself also. So I was not surprised by that. What about internships? Those seem to really resonate with um, especially the younger demographic of the survey. Yeah. So again, overwhelmingly, um, for people who had had internships, 79% of them felt it had made uh, a positive effect on their career. Mm-hmm. But these people who had had internships were generally younger. Right. They were on the younger end of the population. And so we didn't see much effect in terms of outcomes, um, though it may just be that these are women who are still very early career. Mm. Right. So you may not see the full effect yet. Yeah. But it was overwhelmingly a positive yes. experience for them. You also had asked your respondents, and I know we've touched on this some, about what the industry can do, how we can do better. And so everything from hire more women to running trainings to making sure that diversity practices and efforts happen on purpose. Um, Are there other takeaways about how not just women, but everyone in the industry can make it a more equitable place? Well, we have a lot of hopes that this information is going to have an impact, you know, and that 
all of the dialogues and the initiatives and the decisions and the actions that, you know, come from this will be positive. We're going to be working in conjunction with Women in Music. They have a mentorship initiative that's going to be actually has been in process, but will hopefully get even more steam and attention in 2019 and a Women in Music Workplace initiative to work with different employers to possibly in- implement some of these workplace practices that women are suggesting uh, so, you know, we're going to we're going to try to help as much as we can. And, you know, we, we hope that there's more research and more questions that get asked. Right. So, you know, in addition to the actions themselves, we, we really hope that there's more. We see, OK, well, this is an interesting statistic. Like, why? I also as, as a person who um, works in the gender equity field, I have found that the existing information has really helped me to raise money. It's helped me to tell stories to people, especially the Annenberg Initiative, because I work in music technology. Mm -hmm. um, And there was some really interesting statistics about how few female producers there were, you know, in represented in however long their data mining set had gone from. Yeah. I mean, I I hope this is something that that definitely helps provide context. I think even just while you were talking about about women in production in the Annenberg report, you know, we see how few women are in production. Mm-hmm. When we looked at the different job types that women were in and looked at their job satisfaction, the the music production and recording had the highest satisfaction. So there aren't a lot of women in that field, mm-hmm. but the women who are there find it very rewarding. Mm. So that's an interesting piece of context. I hope that this is something that that really gets people talking, that really gets people thinking about equity in the industry, how they can better support women who are in the industry or who want to be in the industry, mm-hmm. you know, and that hopefully people people dig into this subject more and think more about it and, and ask more questions. Mm. Also, as a woman who works in the industry, it was fascinating to take a look at what was happening to everybody else and then think about what was happening to me. Because what we found is that my experience is really typical, you know, and for better or for worse, there was some really great parts about that because I do love my job and I wouldn't have it any other way. But there's a lot of obstacles that I'm up against and compromises that I make um, that we're true of everybody else. And I honestly feel different about my career, having found out how everybody else feels about their career. It's a really interesting mirror to look at in that respect. There were several questions on the survey that related to work-life balance and the question of family, especially sort of whether to have children and how to raise them. So can you talk about the takeaways related to that? Sure. So we we did find that 61% of women said that their career was a factor in their decision to have or raise children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they we asked those women um, to, to expand on that a little bit, the thing we heard the most was that they had concerns about work-life balance. And that's probably in some ways not unique to the music industry. I think that's, that's true of women in a lot of industries, that they're right. considering their career, that work-life balance is a concern. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that make the music industry itself um, unique, certainly. Um, You know, you think about the lives of um, performers or producers who are working uh, long hours, different hours. You you think about the high number of women who are working 
two in three jobs mm-hmm. that that we see. I mean, that is the majority of women who are working multiple jobs. You know, and there's the additional challenge of because this is an industry in which women are so underrepresented, um, you know, sometimes women are the only woman at their job. They feel like they face discrimination because they have a child, especially in certain certain fields. This is one of the open-ended questions. One of the things that I found to be not shocking but surprising to read over and over again was that, you know, almost one in four women said that they were either they had either decided to have fewer children or no children at all because of their careers. That they felt like it was a choice between yeah, one or the other. Mm-hmm. It was. Not shocking, maybe, but illuminating. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, something we sort of just consider to be true. But when you say it and when you see it, it, it really means something. At least to me, it meant a lot to see that. Thank you both so much for being here and talking with us about the report. Um, it's posted on the Berkeley website so that people who want to dig in deeper can go and read it in its entirety. Yes, please. Please read it all. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't get through all of it, we do have four pages of infographics at the beginning that will really go over the highlights in a a visually pleasing way. Yes. Easy to digest and very interesting. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, yes. Thank you both so much again. Thank you for having us. Thank you. To learn more about the report and its watershed findings, head to berkeley.edu slash wimsurvey. This story was produced by Katie Gibson and engineered by Darcy Davis. For Sounds of Berkeley, this is Brian Paris.